it's all you know, lollipops and puppies and rainbows. This is going to revolutionize the way you process inbound resumes or, or submissions, candidate submissions. But if it's not implemented properly and the adoption is low, it, it really doesn't matter. So, hey, let's slow down a little bit here. Let's go slow to go fast. That sounds great, but when it's practically applied and then it needs to be piloted and you know that's a process working out the kinks. But if the people that are driving the adoption are not you know, super informed or super experienced or super engaged, it can be a big problem and, and a very costly one, not just financially, but in just in terms of people's time and energy. Welcome to Talking TA with Top Source Talent, the podcast that brings you the latest insights, strategies, and trends in talent acquisition. Hosted by Denise Chapman, president of Top Source Talent with over 30 years of experience in the industry, this podcast features top industry experts, HR professionals, recruiters, and talent acquisition leaders who will share their experiences and knowledge on how to attract and retain top talent. Join Denise and her guests as they explore the exciting and dynamic world of talent acquisition. Only on Talking TA with Top Source Talent. Hi, I'm Denise Chaffin, president of Top Source Talent, and my guest today is Andrew Gardner from Higher Key. Andrew, thank you so much for joining. I look forward to our conversation talking about AI tools in talent acquisition. Please tell our audience who you are and a little bit about your company. Well, I know we've only got two hours, so I'll try to keep it tight. Kidding. Well, first of all, thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast. So, Andrew Gardner, like you mentioned, I work higher key. We are uh, at a high level. We help employers with their technology stack as it relates to their hiring processes. In other words, how do companies drive efficiency leveraging technology? And there's a lot of it out there, Denise. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to have you on a call. And I'm so excited for our call today, Andrew, because working with Don, Don Locke is also with Hierarchy. You know, he has over the last couple of years given me a lot of information about some of the tools actually that we have selected as well for my company as it relates to talent acquisition and helping our clients with sourcing and recruiting. So, we, Don and I have had a few conversations and we have kind of launched into what's working, what's not. And now we've got AI, right? And all of a sudden AI has made this big surge in talent acquisition. So I wanted to kind of get an idea from you, especially after our initial conversation a few weeks ago with your conference in, what was it called? Unleashed, I think, right? Unleashed, yeah. Yes. And so you had mentioned that conference and so... One of the one of the questions I want to to ask you about, especially as it relates to new AI tools and this conference that you attended, how do you see AI influencing the talent acquisition industry now? Okay, well that's kind of a trick question, but seriously because it's interesting. It's almost I mean I love analogies or examples, Denise. So one of the thing like when social media was invented, it, it evolved dramatically. And I, so, so people see AI, I'm, I'm thinking you're familiar with chat GPT. Have you seen that? Yeah. Right. 
I like Bard though. I'm a Bard fan. That's fine. Exactly. Well, it's, it's so that which is a great point. It's evolving, and I think there's a perception that oh, now now AI is going to do everything. Well, AI is only as intelligent or effective as the person that's driving AI. So when I first discovered it and started playing around with it, I wrote a, a poem for my mom who's 90. And I was fancied herself as a semi-pro figure skater in iambic pentameter. And it was amazing. And I wish I had it when I was a kid and I was writing college papers. But the point I'm making is it still needs to be sharpened and, and, and tested and piloted. So back to my example. So there's a lot of companies that are touting, oh, now we have AI and it's going to replace sourcers or whatever. But... So the, the short answer is it's going to have a profound impact over time, but it's going to evolve and shift and there's going to be hiccups and burps and bumps and it's not going to have, yes, it will have an immediate impact, but it's not going to be a really profound, what I would say, you know, dramatic effect for in several years, in my opinion. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because, I mean, right now, in fact, I just received a message from some guy earlier who was wanting me to try out their, their latest AI tool, right? And I'm getting a lot of that, people contacting me through LinkedIn, touting AI tools for talent. And this guy in particular, I guess he is wanting you know, recruiters to test drive his tool to see how it works. So... Right now, how would somebody, how would you see somebody actually succeeding with this generational change of AI based on what we're talking about for talent? Okay, so let's take a step back. So believe it or not, I mean, it's already obvious, well, maybe not so obviously, but there's already some semblance of AI being deployed with technology as it relates to employers evaluating, vetting, stack ranking candidates or their profiles, let's say. Okay. You hear, you've heard of machine learning. It's kind of the same thing. Yes. But here again, I still have to calibrate how does how how does this tool, this and and I've been don't be impressed, but having spent the last thirty some years in the you know, I used to be personnel and HR and then recruiting and now it's it's TA but watching the evolution when I started and I, I'm I'm sure I'm a lot older than than when I started it was I sent I send my resume to the employer and then it was faxing was all the rage oh we thought faxing was like really high tech right and so but again back to the how do we drive efficiency and make it not just efficient but more effective so Again, to answer your question, there there are platforms that use AI to, I'm going to give you a, a real life example. A company like Zoom, we're in a contracting job market. I don't think that's a secret. So Zoom is getting a lot of unsolicited over the transom submissions for their open recs, and they have to process all of them. Right. And frankly, a lot of people... Aren't, it's not that they're not qualified, but maybe it's just not a fit for whatever reason. Right. And I think a, one of the big hurdles for AI or machine learning or anything in general is matching a poorly written job description with a poorly written resume or LinkedIn profile. It's just not 
it's not feasible. Plus, it falls flat somewhere in the interview process, right? Well, that too, but but we're still just talking about, hey, how do I, we actually, well, that's a good point. Let's take a step back and say, so I'm a candidate. I submit my resume to an employer. In theory, I'm presuming that they're going to look at it and they're going to compare and contrast my knowledge and experience with the duties and requirements of the job requisition and then make an evaluation of my feasibility for employment and then ideally reach out and contact me and either do a phone screen or maybe bring me in for an interview or some, and that's a process, right? So back to my example, if I'm getting all these resumes or LinkedIn profiles and they're not a proper fit for the job description, and in theory, you're relying on the candidate to apply for the right position. So there's all kinds of platforms and tools that help candidates and or employers sharpen their pencil and pre-screen candidates or assess them or stack rank them for a say really just automate it so that like hey these are not a fit this is just a non-starter and send them some sort of resume or I'm sorry some sort of some sort of response or email that says hey Denise thanks so much I really appreciate your interest Anyways, back back to my point, if I'm, what I do is if I get this whiz-bang machine learning or AI tool, I can calibrate it. Yeah. And, and so I'm the one that determines what, I'm doing air quotes if you could see me, what good looks like for each position. And it takes a while, right? That doesn't, it doesn't come fully baked where it knows what Zoom wants or likes or doesn't want or doesn't like. I have to educate it. I have to calibrate it. So there are some tools that do that, but it's a, it, it's not plug and play. No. There's some accountability, a lot of accountability and, and responsibility on the employer to calibrate it properly so that the tool knows what good looks like. And that's interesting you bring that up because in hearing you talk about this, two tools in particular that come to mind for me are number one, hired score, which I guess is one of the hottest and greatest new AI tools for determining which resumes get forwarded to the hiring teams or the recruiter, whoever they're supposed to go to. The other one was a, a tool that was started years ago called HireView, which was the, the digital interview format. You've heard of them, right? Oh, yeah. And so when you talk about calibrating, I know that with HireView, it was up to the employer to add the questions that were going to be asked of the candidate based on the job description or position description. And from there, they could, the, the candidates said, could answer those questions either on this digital camera or writing them out, I guess, writing out the responses to the question. And then now you have hired score, which is grading literally the resumes as they come into whatever applicant tracking system the company is using. And I guess Hired Score works on various ATS platforms, as we call them, and it will grade then the resumes and then determine. And again, though, I mean, how are they calibrating the, that particular tool to determine the qualifications of a candidate's resume to forward on then to either the recruiting staff or the hiring team? Yeah, it's what you're talking about. Hired Score is in in many people's eyes, best in class in terms of AI and and facilitating or driving efficiency for 
and, and really for companies like that are just getting a massive amount of, you know, say somebody like McDonald's or Starbucks, something that's just getting so many, it's not inexpensive though, but yeah, that's hired score is a good one. And, and hire view, same thing. You know, what's interesting, Denise, and I, I, I just want to be transparent. I think part of your, the purpose of your podcast is to inform and educate and help people up their game. And, and I think that's a very noble endeavor. And so the point I bring forth is a lot of these tools Maybe they're great and they work really well, but if they're not, you mentioned, a, 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 we brought up a really important point and that is how, is there, a, is there an integration for the ATS? How well does the, the platform play within all the other, the pre-existing tech stack, whether it's the HRIS or the HCM, and I'm not using acronyms just to, to show off, but... <laughs> My point is, is that when it's all lollipops and puppies and rainbows, when we're selling and this is going to, this is going to revolutionize the way you process inbound resumes or, or submissions, candidate submissions. But if it's not implemented properly and the adoption is low, it, it really doesn't matter. So one of the things I, and Don, to your point, Don is a font of information. And one of the things he's really good at, and I, I think I'm pretty good at it too, or the hierarchy is, is, hey, well, let's slow down a little bit here. Let's go slow to go fast. That sounds great, but when it's practically applied with the, the, the basic understanding that, again, a lot of these tools are very expensive, and then implementing them properly is expensive and, and a, not an insignificant amount of time and energy needs to be dedicated to that. Yes. And then it needs to be piloted and that's a process working out the kinks. So I guess what I'm saying in a roundabout sort of way, the technology could be sound, but if the people that are driving the adoption and or the implementation are not super informed or super experienced or super engaged, it's it's a it's it can be a big problem and and a very costly one not just financially but in just in terms of people's time and energy well and not only that but the people who are using it the on the user end you've got recruiters or hr people or hiring managers i know when we all started working with linkedin years ago it was like well who's going to use it right and how and all of a sudden we started tying hiring managers into our conversations and doing screen shares to give the hiring manager then the bird's eye view of what we saw on LinkedIn with respect to candidate selection. And so there's a lot of training that goes into that. And LinkedIn luckily was providing for all of us workshops and they did their due diligence and, and they still do. And having the, the learning center on LinkedIn where you can go in and learn how to use different aspects of their tool especially since they changed their tool, oh, I don't know, about every 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You answered your own question about AI. That, so you're, you're right. That the same process, and, and unlike LinkedIn, unlike your LinkedIn example, there's so many different iterations and variations of AI. Yeah. And they all have their own 
bugaboos or, or, or value propositions or implementation challenges. And you really don't find that stuff out till you, you roll up your sleeves and get really deep into the, the tool itself, you know, the blocking and the tackling. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're using higher EZ right now. And even with higher EZ, they were called, what were they called before? There was something else that they were called before higher EZ. And then, you know, so they changed the name and they cha make th these changes and we get in there, we start using it. It's like, okay, now we know what it can do, but we also know what it can't do to your point. And it's interesting too, I was watching the, the 60 Minutes program not too terribly long ago where the CEO of Google was talking about AI tools and he was kind of giving this like broad warning on what could happen with the use of AI. And so there was like some fear, I guess, that he kind of shattered in a lot of us. Okay, this is AI is moving forward too fast and we're not going to be able to keep up with it. And from a technology standpoint and working with high tech firms, a lot of us are working with high tech firms. What's your opinion of the technology leaders like the CEO at, at Google warning against the use of AI overall? I... I want to, one of the charges of the hierarchy is to be objective, a voice of reason. There's a lot of variables that go into who, what, who is the best. We already talked about hired score. By the way, the, it was hired tool before it was hired easy. Okay. And if you try, if you're talking, and again, it also depends who you're talking to. Like if you're talking to a, one of the sales reps, their tool is the best tool. So, but I think Findem has a really good platform. I know a lot of people, you mentioned HireEZ, SeekOut, everybody's scrambling. I'm going to give you a really good anecdotal example of, of how AI can and will play or can't and won't play in the space as we speak. So there's a lot of tools. So, so as LinkedIn is a, is a, is, has been kind of the go-to sourcing tool for, gosh, I think they, they came out in 2003, so 20 years, let's say. And to your point, they bounced around a little bit. Adoption was low, but then it became popular. It became the, the go-to means by which employers use and almost exclusively. The, in, the interesting thing about LinkedIn is that it's it's static. In other words, they own that data. So if I go on and I create a LinkedIn profile, they have all my data and that's great. Well, there's a lot of tools that have since been born or conceived or created, deployed, if you will, like IREZ, find them, seek out that not only access the, the profiles that are on LinkedIn, but the profiles that aren't on LinkedIn. In other words, there's, if I'm an employer, I'm either a hunter or a gatherer, or maybe I'm both. Yeah, to put it another way, if I'm looking for a customer service rep and I'm Comcast or a sales rep, I'm probably going to get a lot of foot traffic or a lot of applications without having to spend a ton of time and effort generating interest just people submitting it because the the qualifications aren't i don't need to have a degree in microbiology or i don't need to know how to take apart a mass spectrometer or i don't have to speak fluent cantonese so that's one set of problems but 
if I'm looking for a, a, a research associate with a degree in neurolinguistics that speaks French and Polish and lives in Canada, that person, there's not a lot of those people. So the tools where I see AI adding a ton of value is helping companies source people that aren't looking. How do I find someone that is purposely not looking, purposely hiding, purposely gainfully employed, has no interest in changing jobs? How do I get their information, number one? And number two, how do I get their affect or their interest and, and engage them in some sort of bi-directional communication? That is a real challenge. And so back to my example, these tools that are nipping at LinkedIn's heels have that capability. The, all, of the, all of the tools I think we've mentioned thus far in some way, shape, or form have that ability. And they scrub the web. They do rediscovery within your ATS, applicant tracking system. And they bubble up the most qualified people and they forward them to you. And then in theory, they also leverage AI to say, okay, Denise, these are the top 10 people, not just in terms of their qualifications, but in terms of they're ready for a change because you've programmed or you've calibrated your AI to the degree that it can tell when that person might be looking for a job because maybe they just moved or maybe I'm making this up. But these are the this is the extent to which AI could could and probably ultimately will impact the process. So there's a lot of variables that affect when someone's going to be looking for a job, not just a contracting job market, but maybe I just got in a fight with my boss and I don't like him, so I go home and I start looking. I mean, so there's all these indicators and triggers and reference points that recruiters will look for. Indicators, I think is probably the best word. So not just are, is the person qualified and can they do the job, but are they open to it? Is it a good time to reach out to them? So stack ranking a list of candidates is one piece of the puzzle, but also is it a good time to reach out to them? And there's so many, it's, it's fascinating, but there's so much information out there that is available, publicly available, mind you, that companies are crunching and researching and evaluating and coming up with trends and analysis so that AI can again, drive efficiency in that process. But you mentioned something a while ago about stack ranking candidates and when's the right time to reach out to them. 35-year veteran recruiter, I mean, I started recruiting before the internet was even born. I mean, AI wasn't even a word yet. And what was funny is I learned early on, it's never too early or too late or whatever to contact candidates. I mean, if you come across somebody that you may want to speak to even six months from now, why not contact them, right? And so I have this pre-internet philosophy about when to contact candidates. I think that stack raking candidates is great, but I don't think it's ever too early to contact people because when you contact somebody, and I even do it now, when you contact somebody that might be an interesting prospect for new business or for a position you're working on, you've already, you've already started that dialogue a few months ago. They're more likely to contact you back again if you've already contacted them previously, even before there was something available, right? When you're talking about two bi directional communication, 
I wanted to bring that up because that is a phrase I've heard a couple of times. Explain what your interpretation of bidirectional communication is, Andrew. Okay, well, first, just let's double click on what you just said because you made a bunch of really good points. And I think that's that's what makes you a really good recruiter is what what oftentimes happens is someone opens a rack and gives it to a a recruiter who gives it to a sourcer and then they're off to the races well i guess the how i would categorize that is you know if people that are always there when they need you but what you just said was establishing i'm of the mind i'm we're like-minded denise it's it, people don't care how much until they know how much you care. So if the first time I hear from you is because you have some whiz-bang job opportunity, I don't know who you are, I don't know how you got my contact information, I have a job, I'm, or I'm happy, and maybe I'm struggling with a real-life situation that has nothing to do with employment, and you have no idea, and you're calling me, and you're trying to be my new best friend, that's not helpful. Whereas to your point, if I've already communicated with you, I know you, it's not a high pressure thing. It's not a churn and burn. It's not, I, it, it's interesting because the, the job market ebbs and flows. Sometimes it's an employer's job market. Sometimes it's a candidate job. It's supply and demand, just like anything. So you're absolutely right. The, the sooner you're connected to someone in your network and you've established rapport and it goes above and beyond the confines of, hey, do you want this job? Good for you because that's, in my mind, what separates a good recruiter from an average one and a great recruiter from a good one. So bi-directional means, well, so I'm sure this is, as well as I do, LinkedIn, the the response rate for in-mails and and for those of you listening, in-mail is if I'm, uh, I, I pay LinkedIn for a certain amount of in-mails and I can reach out to you whether I'm connected to you or not and say, hey, Denise, I have this great job for you. Here it is. Do you have any time to talk about it? The open rate for in-mails is dropping dramatically. It's particularly for the, the harder to fill positions, let's say. So when I say bi-directional communication, it's, it's a, it's rapport, it's trust. It's, it's, it's a, it's a relate. I care. Yep. Right. It's not like, Hey, you're a, we're, I'm trying to, you're a widget and I just want to jam you into something because it's a, it's a means to an end. And I think, and, and to your point, I think that that's where we can separate then AI from that that direct candidate relationship or just that relationship building experience, right, that we have as recruiters, whether it's with a hiring manager or a candidate or, in my case, maybe somebody I want to do business with. One of the things that people are talking about a lot is how many jobs are going to become impacted as a result of the use of AI tools in the TA industry or talent acquisition industry. And I think that I don't, I don't know that we're going to have that many jobs impacted because, again, relationship building is, can AI build relationships for us? I don't see that as a possibility. Maybe it can start a relationship with you know, an email, but can it build a relationship? Can it help us to, or can it help to sell a company or, or a position 
to branch out and market and add value proposition information for a company or the position that we're recruiting for? No. I still think that that's something that happens human to human without the use of AI. So I don't know. I mean, what's your opinion of, of the job market and talent acquisition with AI tools? I agree with you. I, I think you'd be surprised. So companies use CRMs right. to establish contact with their prospects and, and develop rapport. And you can you can script out a couple of three emails with the CRM that are just say, send this one first, and then if they respond, do this, and if they don't, do this. So a lot of times, and there's the, if you log on to a website, I'm not a huge proponent of that stuff, but there, you could log on to a website where I, I'm maybe you're shopping for a TV or something, and a little thing will pop up and say, hey, how can I help you? A lot of those are, are AI-driven or they're bots. They're, they're not human beings. I, I also know that there's a lot of bot assistants, virtual assistants that are not really people. I can't remember who told me, it, but it was someone who had one of these virtual assistant programs and the person actually thought, they, they gave a real like, human name, Phyllis or something like that, thought Phyllis was a, a real person and Phyllis was very nice and super responsive. <laughs> so I guess it's not, it's like so many things, right? It's not not black and white it's it's uh, but i agree with you at the end of the day it's a people like i want to talk to you i want to see you yeah this is a people oriented industry we're in a people oriented industry and the ai tools are going to get us only so far well let me ask you are you using ai and if so how and and what has your experience been with it oh, that's interesting so i am using bard and I like Bard. I think Bard is easier to use. And I have been using it lately to help clients build better position descriptions. Because I think the position descriptions that we see as recruiters are suffering. We had a client recently who had given us a position to work on. And it was a, a tough position. It was for Mexico, actually. The position is in Mexico. Yep. Wow. And so what happened was this position description was so poorly written, it had the wrong title on it, but even the correct title. So what we did was I used Bard to pull up, a, to create a better position description, create a better title based on what the skills were. So Bard helped me build that position description. We used it and boom, boom, boom. Within probably three weeks, we had not just one, but three candidates that they were interested in hiring. And so they were creating another position for the second position and, and they still have that third candidate. They're holding on to it until they can create a, a third position for him. So yeah, I mean, it you can use AI. And again, I think it's super helpful, but it's the training, learning, what's going to work best. Oh, but see, that's you're, you're exactly right. You just answered your own question. That what's interesting, that this is kind of where, where my mind goes. So culture fit is super important. Yes. And so you may be the best qualified person in the world, but maybe you're, it's the, the soft skills. In other words, how, how is AI going to measure how funny you are or how emotionally mature you are? 
and maybe it can, and I'm sure to some degree it will, but one of the interesting things, I'm sure you have more experience with this than I do, Denise, but what, I, what I've what i noticed is so when, when people are looking for a job and, and they really need a job, right? And job, this is just for comedic relief, stands for just over broke. And so I need a, I need a paycheck because I have bills. And so I'm interviewing, it's very competitive. I'm gonna tell you or show you whatever it is I think you wanna see or hear to get that job because I need it and want it that badly. Is AI gonna be able to detect that or, or assess that? And if so, how and, and to what degree? So here's what I've seen over the years is there's really smart TA people and recruiters, not unlike yourself, and there's really smart technologists, people that really understand technology. And, but very few are both. So a lot of these, a lot of the, the companies aren't successful because they truly don't understand the, the subtleties or the nuances of TA. And similarly, the TA people may know the nuances and subtleties of of TA, but they don't understand the subtleties and the nuances of technology. And they're vastly different skill sets. So you, when you go to a company and give them all your input and feedback, then those are the companies that I tend to gravitate towards where I can tell that they genuinely care, they're genuinely trying to make an impact. Well, and, and, and I think in closing on this too, we talk about jobs in, in this market, right? For, for this industry. And going back to the question earlier regarding what jobs are going to be lost as a result of AI and what jobs will be gained, have you had anybody give you any indications on what kind of jobs we might be looking forward to as we move into a more AI-oriented industry and talent search? I, I want to make sure I understand the question. Are you asking me what jobs will be created or what jobs will be eliminated? What will be created? Because you talked to people, and I did too, we talked about people who are changing their careers right now as a result of the new technologies. And I know people who are leaving, actually, talent acquisition and going into more psychology-based positions because they're able to use what they've learned in talent acquisition. And then they're able to tie up people like with a psychology degree and help develop new AI tools for talent acquisition using behavioral interviewing experience, psychology degrees, that type of thing. So what other jobs do you think that people in the talent acquisition industry, what, what might you see? I think very similar to what you just said. I think people to, to help point AI in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, AI doesn't have like, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to get there. So <laughs> you just said you used AI to build out a business plan and find a company name. You should have asked how to raise the money. Yeah. <laughs> I will. That'll be my next question. How do that? See, that's where it gets really, really creepy. It's like, what, how do, what's the best way to counterfeit $20 bills? Let's see what, <laughs> you know what I mean? So all, all AI is, is an amalgamation of data that's been dumped in and collated and, and purged and screened and primed and, and over and over and over again. So, 
someone's doing it. So you're right. Someone's going to have to have the presence of mind to say, hey, yeah. And it's interesting that you say that because whenever I'm talking to people, COVID had a really profound impact on, on, on the job market, on, on everybody, not just medically. I mean, people were at home, like, got, I can't tell you how many companies has, well, we don't have to fly people in anymore. We can just do a Zoom interview. I mean, now we're not buying plane tickets, so we're saving money. Right. So, and regrettably, a lot of it revolves around how can we do more with less. Right. Right, more for less. That's always the pitch or the point. And I agree with something you said earlier in the podcast, and that is that, hey, at the end of the day, I want to, it's almost, have you ever called the Ritz-Carlton? No. Okay, so when you call the Ritz-Carlton, someone answers. Not a, you know, and it's not someone from the Philippines or it's, it's someone in the United States. And it's always like, oh, may I have the pleasure of putting you on a brief hold? We've kind of come full circle. A lot of companies are really painting themselves out of the picture, in my opinion, by going way too fully automated. And eliminate, like, I can't, I, I forget what I was looking for, but I was looking for, I wanted to talk to somebody about either a hotel reservation or a plane ticket or something. Maybe it was a frequent flyer thing. And I could not, they, they're like, go do it online, do it online, do it online, do it online. And that's been my, one of my biggest complaints about LinkedIn. They don't have, you have to do everything online. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's good. Well, see, but that's why I'm saying we're, we've come full circle. Now people want, hey, I don't want to do it online. I want to talk to Denise. Yep, exactly. I know that was another reason, too, that I limited how much business I do with Google. It's the same thing. So, but I'll have to call the Ritz-Carlton. I think that, that's a great... <laughs> well, it's not just the Ritz. American Express is really good. Oh, that's true. American Express. I will always be an American Express customer because of their their customer service. Right. Their human customer service. I I actually would go, and I know we're on time, so I would say I call it, it's client service with Amer with American Express, and that's the difference between a customer and a client. A customer, if I'm going to buy a pack of cigarettes, if I'm a customer, I'm going to go to the first AMPM or gas station or Seven Eleven that I see. But if I'm a client, I'm going to go to Denise's smoke shop, even if it's 10 miles away. <laughs> I don't know if that's such a great analogy, but hey, okay. <laughs> no, seriously, but that AI is not going to yeah. solve that one. That that will never change. That's exactly right. Oh, my God. Andrew, thank you so much. This has been fabulous. And I think that we need to the schedule the next discussion around, around the veteran hiring, because again, that is, I know, a, a really huge market for you guys and and Don has gone into a lot of detail. Happy to do it. We could talk for two hours about that. Oh my gosh, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Pleasure is all mine. I'll look forward to the next time we do it. All right, perfect. All right. Same here. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of Talking TA with Top Source Talent. We trust that our discussions has provided you with valuable insights and actionable strategies for your journey as a talent acquisition professional. Our mission is to be your go-to resource for staying ahead in the ever-evolving landscape of talent acquisition. Whether you're a seasoned recruiter or embarking on your recruitment career, our aim is to equip you with practical advice that elevates your day-to-day -day work. As we continue sharing valuable insights with you, we're excited to support your growth and assist you in building the best workforce for your team. Stay inspired. Stay informed, and until next time, happy recruiting.